Hello, and welcome to The Message, brought to you by Campaign, the Bible for all things advertising in the world. I'm reporter Emma Johnston-Wheeler, and I'm joined by... I'm Chris Powell, editor. And I'm David Brown, also an editor. Okay, we're going to get started with the big news stories for us this past week. Zulu Alpha Kilo has done their second Super Bowl ad for Booking.com, this time starring Tina Fey and her 30 Rock co-stars, David, I'll let you talk about this one. Yeah, this one jumps out because it's still the rare exception of a Canadian agency doing a big U.S. Super Bowl ad for a big brand with big A-list stars, and it's fun. They did it last year with Melissa McCarthy, and this follow-up with Tina Fey is really great. With the the um, I'm blanking on the actor's name. You would remember Jane Krakowski. Krakowski, and but who's the cat? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Who anyway, I'm blanking yeah. on his name, but they're they're both in it, and it's just fun, funny ad, and it's it's great. Okay, and then Frito-Lays, our fave Canadian actor and ad man, Ryan Reynolds, did an ad for them. We share a birthday, by the way, me and him, with his production company, you thought, Maximum you Effort. You guys are opening line. <laughs> um, <laughs> with his production company, Maximum Effort, they did a series of eight ads that actually aired 75 times on ABC for Groundhog Day. Yeah, I like this as a smart tie-in with a marketing occasion at, at Groundhog Day and a smart tie-in with the movie. The ad stars Stephen Tobolowski, who was also in Groundhog Day. Uh, he was notable for his repeated interactions with Bill Murray's character over and over, which got increasingly tense and acrimonious as the movie progressed. And they've kind of leaned into that a little bit. You know, there, there comes a point where he realizes that he's suddenly stuck in this endless repeat with these ads and it was kind of interesting because they, they they actually used up I think it was about three quarters of ABC's ad inventory on Groundhog Day uh, which was uh, quite notable yeah that's so crazy to me and I just love the idea of it becoming like a, a whole evening ad experience yeah it gets freshened up eight different times through the evening I think it's fantastic yeah it, and it keeps people paying attention yeah right Here's another fun one. Rethink did something cheeky with Philadelphia cream cheese again. The agency created a limited edition innovation for the Kraft Heinz brand Philadelphia Bagel Holes, a.k.a. Holeless Bagels. So to do this, they partnered with bagel shops in the U.S. and Canada, notably Montreal, which is where our best bagels come from. And on top of the earned media, they got assets supported through paid social, out-of-home, OLV, and creator content. So I know, Chris, you have feelings about the uh, previous Philadelphia cream cheese. Wait a minute. Style. Let's talk about the bagel thing first. <laughs> it's an affront. <laughs> it's an affrontal bagel. Lovers. We're split on this because I think I've always thought, why does a bagel have a hole? It'd be so much better if they didn't have holes in them. It's not a bagel. But it's better. It's the same texture. But it's it, a bun. It's not as messy. This is the public controversy, and obviously this is partially why it's a successful ad. It just creates very topical conversation. A lot of people agree that a bagel without a hole is a bun. I think that the hole is a good opportunity for extra cream cheese. So, like, I don't which actually... Is which is well, No, but it's not their point because they're taking the hole so that you can... They're taking away the hole so that you can spread more cream cheese. But I actually think you would get more cream cheese if you filled the hole. <laughs> yes. You get that little extra bit of dollop of cream right? cheese that... Yes. Yeah, that's it's like how a little I feel. reward at the end. It's fun because they've obviously made this uh, a bit of a, a thing with Philly. They, last year, they launched uh, schmear socks, which were socks that resembled a schmear of cream cheese, and they were a huge success. Again, I like it as just smart marketing that sits at the, at the intersection of communications and culture. Yeah, well, and that's the whole point. It's so topical. Um, they actually like brought the creative to Reddit first, which I thought was really interesting before they kind of turned it into an entire campaign. But speaking of the intersection of culture, BMO did a really crazy ad for a bank. They partnered with a Canadian rapper, this guy from Vancouver, 
B-B-N-O money, pronounced Baby No Money, who is viral on TikTok. So they partnered with him to make a custom rap track. And the brand isn't actually really mentioned in the song. The TikTok has gone viral, though, even though it was posted only a week ago. It's gotten nearly 8 million views. That's crazy. It is. It is really crazy. And a lot of the comments are saying that it is the best bank ad that they've ever seen (laughs) and the only one that they've watched in its entirety, which is interesting. We talked to our families and friends about this one. We did. We got some input. What what did your people think, David? So my niece, who is of, I would say, the Target, here's what she said. I wasn't quite sure what the product was like. I've never heard of Baby No Money, B-B-N-O. So I kind of was like, okay, it's celebrating making smart financial choices and not having debt, but I didn't get a clear call to action out of it. So that's a clear call to action. She knows the language. <laughs> my now, However, my brother's more my age, probably not the target. I did not like any of it. Lyrics were fast, so I didn't want to even try to listen. I did understand bills paid on time. Don't know what the company is. Right. Uh, but not the target, I would say. So I I asked my son, who is, an, uh, is of the demographic, and he actually made an astute observation oh. in that it was – it seems to be that it was a callback. Like the car he was driving was sort of 80s era, tan suits. Like it was almost like it was sort of deliberately evoking sort of the 80s. And he, he said, interesting that they seem to equate irresponsibility with a past era. Tan suit, whatever that phone is, which is, <laughs> my son didn't recognize the first generation Nokia phone. Oh, yeah. which, <laughs> not even a flip phone. Boxy desktop. My, my son is a, is a literary type, so he makes a Great Recession or, or Glen Gary, Glen Ross age of business. He makes a lot of, he had a lot of things to say about this. Modern man, not even wearing a tie, open suit jacket, et cetera, et cetera. He said, I do like it. I envisioned this getting stuck in my head after a few lessons, which absolutely, even when I watched it, it felt like yeah. that song lodged itself in my yeah. head. And I thought the brand callouts were subtle, but they were there. There's a few uh, shots on the BMO plastic, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, he flashes the card specifically, which is what the ad is for. It's for the new Eclipse Rise Visa card, which is specifically targeting Gen Z. We should have said this, which yeah. is, you know, TikTok is a platform where this generation spends a lot of their time and actually seeks financial advice, which is interesting. So I had asked a friend who raps and records like tracks in his room and i feel like a lot of people my age have a friend like this although your son sounds like he's of a higher caliber um but my friend (laughs) my friend i'm not really sure how to characterize my son go ahead well the (laughs) level of intelligence that's very perceptive but my friend just kind of said good for baby no money because really and he is quoted in the press release as well like it's just fun for him because he's got this big budget and this opportunity to basically like been like a new track and like create a full music video and they gave him a lot of creative freedom to do it and whether or not he expected it to go viral it obviously plays well for his own social media so totally did you know baby no money before the that i didn't didn't. i feel like i should have though it's interesting well and one of the tracks is like one of the ones you hear used in social media all the time one of his older ones oh yeah Okay, well, that feels like a good point to uh, transition to some more serious conversation. I'll let you guys take it. You know, I think we've alluded to this a couple of times as we've been doing this, uh, the podcast recently, that we, we're we're in the midst, we've been in the midst of it for about six weeks now, just uh, talking about Made in Canada and how Canada can become more successful globally, how we can be, become more of a, uh, a force on the uh, global advertising scene. So... We've sort of done a, a few different takes on, on sort of 
key areas that Canada can undertake to become successful. And the one we're talking about specifically today is talking uh, more successful. More success. What did I say? Did I say successful? Yeah. yeah so thanks. Thanks for correcting me. That's absolutely, we're already yes. amazing. Yes. We are, we are talking about embrace the Canadian advantage. That's a, that's a, a loosely titled uh, headline. But the idea of leaning into our innate Canadian characteristics and, and using them as, as an advantage. Um, and the things about the industry that we complain about a lot, i.e. smaller budgets, how it actually has benefits to, in terms of the kinds of talent we're creating. Yeah. And it's funny how often uh, there were so many themes that were kind of recurring as we talked with uh, with people. And it was about, you know, how smaller budgets lead to us creating more insight driven work because we, we don't have the benefits of, of a lot of dollars to throw at campaigns, leaning into our, our inherent characteristics uh, like being curious. Scrappy was a word that came up. I think, David, for you too, so many times. It was like it almost became sort of a buzzword for this whole venture. Empathetic, sort of more outward looking, curious, those kinds of things. And then the other thing, as I said, it's about the budget. It's the smaller budgets force sort of different kinds of innovations, different kinds of thinking, solving problems in different ways rather than just throwing money on a big budget TV ad. That came up over and over again for us. The sense that, you know, I, I, we talked to a bunch of people who said that's why Canadians do great when they go to the U.S. Yeah. Because they've got these basic skills and then you give them the big budgets. Wow, look at the stuff they can do. Yeah. Uh, one of the lines that I love that, like, that I've come back to uh, a few times was uh, told to me by uh, Michael Beckerman, former CMO at BMO and also worked for Nike internationally. He called Canadians closet anthropologists. So I thought it was such a great, like, it's such a great summation of what we are like we are innate i kind of think we're innately curious we are very attuned to what's going on around us again that that's a broad generalization but i think in in general terms well he said closet anthropologist and sociologist right i yes. just really love that level of like emotional intelligence and critical thinking that's implied like in those comparisons it's very complimentary and it's interesting because previous to that, somebody else had used the phrase stealth Americans. You can maybe draw my attention to who that was. Uh, Scott Goodson. Right. Uh, Strawberry Frog. Yeah. Right. The founder. And I mean, I just find that one fun because it kind of makes us sound like spies. And I should say, <laughs> obviously, we're not. We're not spying on the Americans. Not, no, we're not at all. I no. like the sleuthness. Yes. Again, sort of similar to that, but uh, somebody that I spoke to likened it to it's. This is a a very sort of in depth explanation, so bear with me. But it was uh, likened it to a scene in the in Francis Ford Coppola's movie Apocalypse Now, in which Captain Willard, played by Martin Sheen, infil infiltrates. <laughs> he said it. So yes, infiltrates uh, Colonel Kurtz's camp, and the idea was that he came up through the water camouflage it was almost like we're doing this sort of under cover of darkness or under cover of camouflage yeah i i don't know if it's a tortured analogy or not but i kind of it made it sort of i visualized it in a way that was that, that felt kind of interesting we should zoom out a little bit though just to sort of contextualize the whole point of this as we're trying to figure out how canadian ad industry can do better and win more business in the u.s how do we stand up against the americans head to head and you know we we did hear a lot of people who feel very good about what we're doing in canada but there are things you know that the salary thing is a big difference there's no question about that that we're going to lose great canadian talent to the u.s just on salary alone they're paying yeah. a lot more that's a problem we got to fix yeah 
Although the interesting corollary to that, uh, and I think I think it's absolutely a valid criticism, but also just talking with someone like you know, if you if you are, are viewing New York as the epicenter, they were saying like the salaries don't go as far in New York as they might go in Canada. Now. You know, I don't know. I've never lived in New York. I don't think Toronto is by any means a cheap city to live in. I don't, I, you know, I can't speak to other Canadian cities. So I don't know if there's any validity to that or not. But, he, you know, they were talking about, you know, salaries in New York. Just, Cost of living will be a factor, sure. But yeah. In yeah. New York in particular. But there's no question the salary, the total number is, is much bigger if you're going to go to the U.S. to work as a creative director. Yeah. Yeah. And the opportunities. That's the other big thing. There is more opportunity. There's, we wanted Canadians to talk to us about what's great about the industry. But there's definitely things that are really, really sort of complex things, complicated things, entrenched things we have to work around still. Yeah, we are innately self-effacing. We tend to minimize our abilities. It's funny, though. I talked to somebody from the UK who worked here for a little bit. and what, So one of the things we talked about, as you said, we're, we're sort of the nice. That's the thing. We're the nice people. But she said to me, one of the things she realized is she gets to she, – when she was working in Canada – there was this thing where Canadians are so agreeable to your face <laughs> and then you kind of go away and you realize that they're actually not <laughs> they're doing something differently than they said Bunch they of would do. Yeah. <laughs> they say yes to your face and everything they do is no see I don't I mean I, I'm sure that exists anywhere you go I, I don't feel that's an innately Canadian characteristic probably not yeah I mean, I think kind of something that we glazed over is just the doing more with less which all of this leads to that Canadians have become particularly resourceful because they've had to work with smaller budgets in a smaller market where there's kind of like less obvious grabs for like celebrity partnerships and like really big kind of splashy ads. And I think one of the quotes that I found interesting um, from the woman at Dentsu. Jordan. Jordan just said, yeah. Yeah, who had said that with like a budget of millions there's so many things that you can do with like much less money and then that kind of like brings up the issue and this is a human thing that people struggle with when you have that much money you still have to be smart about it but because you have so much you feel like you can kind of achieve you know the sky when realistically if you have all these like smaller moving parts you can achieve something like much smarter yeah one of my favorite anecdotes, I was talking to someone uh, who said that when they were working in the U.S. earlier in their career, they came up with a creative concept. They weren't completely sold on it, but the client loved it. And he said suddenly the budget had ballooned to a million dollars, just like that. It almost became like a challenge. I'm going to date myself with a reference here, but it was like Brewster's Millions, where it's like you, you, have to, <laughs> you have to spend a certain amount of money. And you've got to find ways to do it. Even I'm um, too young for that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Dating myself. But it was the whole idea was they actually ended up using – it wasn't a celebrity, but they used George Lucas's Industrial Light of Magic was the production partner on the venture. It was almost like we need to find a way to spend this budget. What are we going to do? Canadians, I would venture a guess, seldom, if ever, encounter such challenges. Have we kind of rationalized some of this? Have we sort of talked our way into the, these things that are a problem? Are we sort of just spun them in our own heads to say they're actually good things, you know? Canadians in general? Yeah. This, like the small budget thing. Like, I buy. I understand it. 
but a little bit it was like yeah no but small budgets are good yeah they're okay yeah 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 what it's what, not that what what creative person would like to say yes you you have a very limited budget for this piece yeah. of uh, work versus like yeah here's uh here's a million bucks do with it as you will it's just that we're a yeah. lot we're it's not like we like working with small budgets but we've gotten good at it i guess is the point yeah which was actually i think that was almost a verbatim quote from somebody that we spoke to To conclude all of our podcast episodes, we are going to talk about ad experiences that we've had in our actual lives in the wild. I know, Chris, you were mentioning a purchase opportunity you were contemplating. Oh, uh, well, this actually, David and I had this conversation a little bit. David was talking about trying to sort of get out of the the Apple ecosystem, and there was always something that was pulling him back in. My experience for so, content, for content, for content. Yes, but it was just it's just funny the walled gardens that you encounter. I'm actually so I'm contemplating like I want to buy a new smart speaker, but like a good sounding smart speaker. So I've sort of narrowed it down to Apple HomePod or Sonos. It's so funny. Like I, I like the Sonos, but it's like no Google Assistant, which is something that I've, that I've become accustomed to using. I like the Sonos, but it's also like you can't use your Spotify because it doesn't, it's not optimized for sound. Apple, you're stuck within the Apple ecosystem. So, you you know, you're forced to use Siri as your home assistant. So it's just, it's just that, that kind of thing. There's, there's, it seems like it's so hard to find a product where I can get everything that I want, especially in sort of the, the sort of the digital tech realm. Yeah. You were talking about it from, from a content well, perspective. Well, yes, no, but, but to your point, actually, I am an Apple guy. I would always buy Apple except for, I think Siri is awful. You know? Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't use Siri on my phone. No, so, so I, I went know. with, I got a, a Alexa, an Echo for, right. for my home speaker. And how do you find it as, it's, for, it's good. Like, do you, do you, cause I, I'm amazed at how often I will toss out casual questions to my, my little Google mini nest. I use it for that. And also yeah. for like, I like, I'm so late, like for lamps, like I can turn on a lot of lamps in my house with the. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, do, I have no smart home integration. Oh, I do. I like what it. do you say to the lamp? Alexa, turn on living room one. Living room. Okay. Okay. That's crazy. I never think about things. I do. That's all we have time for today. You can follow the message podcast everywhere that you get your favorite podcasts and keep up with us at the newly launched campaign site.